Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic. Kevin here to bring you another seven-round mock draft for the Falcons. This one uh, is taking place after the Senior Bowl, so I'm going to be incorporating uh, all my notes from practice, all the stuff we learned, including measurements and things like that, uh, to this mock draft and sort of highlighting some of the guys uh, from the Senior Bowl that I think have certainly elevated themselves to be on the Falcons' radar in this draft cycle. Um, keep in mind that the simulator I use, which is the beta of Draft Network's uh, mock draft machine, as well as pretty much every other one, they haven't taken into account the players' sort of performances at the Senior Bowl, um, and we probably won't get the full idea of how guys have risen and fallen in terms of how teams view them and how analysts view them for a couple weeks still. Um, so, you know, some of these guys that I have drafted on day three may end up going a little bit earlier. Some guys, you know, may, may need to be adjusted over time, but, uh, I think every, where I drafted everyone is fairly appropriate. Um, you know, I'm trying to do my best with, with, uh, getting guys in the range that I think they should go, even, you know, if the, the simulator says they should be much later or whatever. Um, but I think it'll be an interesting mock. We're going to go in a different direction at the top, um, I don't really see the point of doing the same exact thing over and over again. I know everyone is obsessed with the Falcons taking a defensive lineman at eight. Uh, I've heard the, you know, responses. I've seen it on Twitter. I've seen everything. Um, So we're going to look at some different scenarios at the top. I've already mocked two edge rushers to the Falcons uh, so far. So we're going to keep looking at different scenarios and today is going to be no different. Um, Unlike last week, or well, it's more than a week, but you guys, you guys know what I'm talking about. The last mock draft, we did take an offensive tackle at eight. We're going to go back to the defense today. Um, so let's get right into it. Speaking of that note, um, before we do, though, I want to remind folks to please like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening to the podcast audio. If you enjoy this show, leave us that five-star review because the good news is, uh, for those that have been following the saga of the podcast, uh, we will be keeping the podcast feed as far as I know. So for those of you that are subscribed on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, anywhere you get this show, that feed will remain the same. The name may change. Uh, We may have to disassociate technically the podcast with the site, Um, but rest assured the podcast will continue. We will figure out ways to get it funded, uh, even though, you know, Vox has decided that apparently they're not, it's not worth paying us the pittance we were getting to do it. Uh, so, you know, I got to keep that tamped down until we're no longer officially affiliated with, with my employer technically. Um, but, uh, yeah, guys. Uh, so don't worry too much. The feed should remain the same. You shouldn't have to track down a new podcast feed, but if anything changes, you'll be the first to know. We'll let you know here on the, on the podcast, on the site, on Twitter, everything. So 
don't need to worry at this point. Uh, you should not have your podcast interrupted in any way as we get into the deep part of the off season. Any changes will take place right around the, f- the first of the month in March. Um, so we'll keep you guys posted on that. But thanks for all your support. Uh, and yes, the podcast will not be going anywhere uh, to, to clarify everything. Everything will continue um, and we will we will make it work somehow. Um, all right. To the mock draft. Uh, we've got at pick eight. Uh, no trades yet. We will do some trades at some point, guys. I promise. But we're going to stick with no trades for now. Um, we're going to go back to the defensive side of things, but not the front seven. We were going to go with a cornerback uh, for this mock. I'm going to take cornerback Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. In this simulation, uh, we saw three edge rushers go ahead of the Falcons. Obviously, Will Anderson. Obviously, uh well, I think it was Tyree Wilson to the Seahawks, and then Miles Murphy went to the Raiders at seven. So three edge rushers down. I really don't think the Falcons should be getting into reaching for the fourth edge rusher at this point. I don't think there's any defensive tackles worthy of a top 10 pick right now, um, other than Jalen Carter, obviously, but he went uh, number one overall to the Bears or will go to the Bears whenever they're picking. So at that point, I think the Falcons need to look elsewhere, whether that's offensive tackle, whether that's a cornerback. Um, you know, we've mentioned Bijan Robinson, the running back, which is another potential way they could go if they think he's just the most talented player left at this spot. No matter what, they got to get a blue chip guy in here, right? They need to get a premium talent at eight. And I don't think that is likely to be edge. Sorry to break it to folks, but I do think we're going to see two to three edge rushers go ahead of the Falcons at eight. And I, I, as I work through this edge class, it's going to be the first position I do an in-depth dive on. I think I've already done four guys fully. I'm planning to do 15 to 20 from the edge group specifically. I'm not really sure that that's the direction that the Falcons should go at eight. I've got a lot of tape to get through still. But right now, if, if Will Anderson's not there, I think the better option could be offensive tackle, could be cornerback in particular if you're trying to get a defensive player in here. And the reason for that is that I think there are legitimate top 10 blue chip talents at both corner and offensive tackle that will be available at eight. Um, in this simulation, I went with Christian Gonzalez. I do think Illinois' Devon Witherspoon is absolutely in the conversation to be the first cornerback drafted. I sort of suspect that we'll see Gonzalez drafted first. Um, and I'm going to get into why I'm drafting him first in this simulation. But um, I may end up having Witherspoon over Gonzalez when it's all said and done. Um, I haven't really finished cornerbacks at all. But D- Devon Witherspoon's excellent, and so is Gonzalez. I think they're going to be in contention. And it just depends on what you want. Um, with Gonzalez, what you're getting is the ceiling. You're getting the ceiling of an elite lockdown number one corner who can match up with anybody. Um, and the reason for that is he has the better size as opposed to Witherspoon, right? Gonzalez has that elite length. He's 6'2", over 200 pounds, and looks a little thin. I think he could easily carry 5 to 10 more pounds without losing anything. Um, He's got that elite prototypical size, um, and he's just an outstanding athlete. I mean, I think he's the best in the class, clearly. Um, And that's not to say that Witherspoon isn't a good athlete. That's not to say that Witherspoon has poor size. But I think if you look at prototypes and that high-end ceiling, Gonzalez has that Witherspoon does not. That's going to be what may lead teams to draft Gonzalez first is that ceiling. Whether that's the right call or not, we're going to have lots of discussions about over the next months, I'm sure. But um, for me, going with Gonzalez, I like a lot of the stuff you see from Gonzalez. And the, the athleticism really pops. Obviously, the size. Those are the first things that stand out when you just pop on the tape. You're like, wow, this looks like an NFL outside cornerback one, right? Um, but he's really impressive, I think, with how he's evolved. Um, 
I think if you look at his Colorado tape, it was okay. It wasn't bad, but it was sort of just okay. Goes to Oregon for his final season and just has a breakout year is tremendous. Um, I really do think he's a scheme versatile guy that you can play in a, you know, uh, a variety of coverages. I think he has absolutely all the skills to be a man coverage expert. I think he's got all the movement skills. He's got that fluidity. Uh, he's got the length to match up with the bigger receivers. I think he can be a very good man coverage corner, but I also think he's, he showed some good instincts in zone. I think he's got the change of direction skills to be able to click and close fast. I think, um, he's still got some developing to do in terms of reading the quarterback and things like that. But I, I think that this is a guy that can play any coverage you want at a high level. And that's what I'm looking for when I'm taking a cornerback in the top 10 is I want a guy that is going to be able to do it all at a high level. Um, really the, the concern with Gonzalez is that his physicality isn't at a high level. I don't think it's bad per se. I think he's a fairly mediocre tackler. I mean, he gives good effort, but he just looks a little thin. I think he could probably gain some weight. Like I said, five to 10 pounds would probably get him at a good weight. I think he just needs to clean up his, his tackling a little bit. Um, but he doesn't, you know, the physicality is just sort of mediocre. I think he could play more physical with the bigger receivers, with the physical guys. So that's what I think he needs to work on. He's not as polished, um, in all facets as Devon Witherspoon. He doesn't play with that nasty physical edge as a tackler like Witherspoon. And that's, that's, sort of his shortcoming. So you're really, you know, I think both of these guys are absolutely deserving of a top 10 pick. I think they will both go in the top 10. The Falcons may be in a situation where they're picking whoever's left because I think Detroit could seriously consider a corner. They probably should. <laughs> um, so the choice may be made for them, but I think both of these guys are really good and, and we're taking Gonzalez here. Um, but we're, we're going to talk about Witherspoon for sure uh, over the course of the offseason because he's also excellent. Um, Moving on to the next pick, pick 45 in the second round. I know there's been some quibbling about the numbers of these picks. I would encourage you to wait to figure out exactly what picks everybody has until after the Super Bowl because things could adjust. Um, also keep in mind that some services track the pick that Miami has forfeited as an actual pick that's just no players selected, and some do not. Some don't track it at all, um, and that is what's leading to the one-pick disparity between some services. So the service that I use, the the Draft Networks machine does take into account the pick 21. It's just forfeited. So there's no player actually selected, but that pick still counts as a pick. I believe that's how the NFL will officially do it as well. We'll see, you know, whenever the official draft order and pick numbers come out, I will adjust everything. But for now, don't worry about that. <laughs> don't worry about that. Um, so with this pick, I'm going to go for more of a, a project, um, a player that I really wanted to like a lot more than I have, um, but that I still think has tremendous upside and is absolutely a first-round talent. Um, and that's Baylor defensive tackle Siaki Ika, who was definitely a hot name last uh, last summer before the season as someone who flashed a lot in 2021. Obviously, the size... 6'4", 350 off the charts. Uh, really, really good athlete for that size as well. Um, much better pass rusher than you'd expect for a nose tackle like that. Um, so I think everyone was sort of projecting him out as like, oh, this guy takes a step forward and we're talking about like a Vita Vea potentially level talent in the draft. And that, that did not happen. Um, Ika definitely took a step back, particularly in against the run. I actually think Ika's a better pass rusher right now than a run defender, which is odd for someone who's 350 pounds. 
Um, this is this is a real project pick. This is a guy that the tape is not there. Um, the flashes are certainly there. You can absolutely see what what you can get from Ika, but there are a couple of big red flags. Um, but I still think he's worthy of a second round pick and do believe he will be taken in the second round. And we're going to get into all that right now. So the things that stand out about Ika, obviously the size and the athleticism, the negatives, there's a bunch, right? I think he has relatively short arms. We'll see at the combine what that looks like. They may be really short. They may just be slightly short. Maybe they're not short at all. Maybe he just is playing with poor technique. I don't know that for sure until we get a measurement. Not going to know. But right now, I think his arms look a little short. Um, So that will limit his ability to shed blocks, disengage from blockers. Um, He's also, I think, carrying bad weight. I I think he needs to lose probably 20 pounds, which is a big ask, right? I mean, that's a lot of weight to drop. Um, it's not that hard necessarily in an NFL training camp when you get an NFL conditioning staff. Um, but I think Ika playing closer to 330 is going to help his game a lot. I'm really interested to see what he looks like at that leaner weight where he's carrying much more muscle, not so much extra weight. Um, really, the thing with Ika is he just doesn't anchor nearly as well as he should. And, you know, I don't claim to be an expert. I do like to watch the defensive line. I think that's where my expertise is. I mean, I think his... His use of leverage is not great. I think the problems he has is that he has a lot of trouble disengaging from blocks, but he also just does gets blown off the ball, and I don't really have a good explanation for that. It, it probably is a leverage thing with him. Um, so he, he needs to do a lot better anchoring against the run, particularly against double teams. Like against single teams, he's mostly fine, but he doesn't make nearly as many impact plays as you would expect for a player like that, right? Um, as a pass rusher, I actually think he's pretty far along for someone of his size. I think especially with him dropping that bad weight. I think this is a very dangerous interior pass rusher who can just overwhelm guys with his size and strength. Um, and he, I think his athleticism will look even better with the weight off. Um, but again, right now, I'm not sure how much you're going to get out of Ika in his first year. I don't know how quickly he'll take to the coaching. You know, the hire of Ryan Nielsen certainly leads me to have some more faith that they can develop a guy like this. I think this is a guy with first round caliber blue chip talent it just hasn't been well developed he took a step back this year like I said so to me with Ryan Nielsen coming in it gives me a little bit more leeway to draft a player like Ika who I think is going to be a tremendous value at 45 if you can get him where he needs to be Um, but I think this is a wait and see pick much like Troy Anderson last year where you're probably not going to get the payoff from this until 2024 but as we'll see with Troy Anderson this year I believe the payoff could be huge. It can end up being a steal and you got a really, really good player at a cheaper price. That's sort of the thing with projects. So um, Ika is a guy that is going to be polarizing, currently is polarizing, but I think with a defensive line specialist like Nielsen in the building, I have a lot more faith for the Falcons to be able to take someone like Ika, get the most out of him as opposed to what they've been doing in years past, which is just not developing any defensive line guys at all. It's been really disappointing. So um, we're going to go with Ika there. Uh, it's sort of a different pick for me. Um, then we're going to go in the opposite direction at three, uh, at pick 76, taking edge rusher, uh, KJ Henry from Clemson. This is the opposite of Ika. And then I think KJ Henry is polished. He's NFL ready, but he doesn't offer you a ton more upside. Like this is a little bit of an older prospect, very experienced, polished elite level run defender on the edge, but as a pass rusher, probably sort of maxed out, doesn't offer you a lot of dynamic athletic ability. 
um, is probably like a three to five sack guy at best in the NFL. But what he does offer you is NFL ready run stopping. And I think he is going to be an impact player right away in that role. Um, And look, the run game has been de-emphasized in recent years, but I think we're going to see teams going back that direction, seeing that the success that the Falcons and some other teams have had doing that. We know the Carolina Panthers are going to be ground and pound with Deontay Foreman. Um, We know that a lot of the teams the Falcons play are going to try to run the ball. And if the Falcons are are going to, I think it's necessary for them to get a big upgrade in that early down package, finding a specialized guy who does offer you some pass rush. I don't think E.J. Henry's a bad pass rusher. I just think he's sort of average, you know, um, not really going to be a big dynamic explosive speed rusher. He does offer you pocket pushing. He's very strong. That power rush can certainly win sometimes. He's just not a big creator on his own. I think he can win one-on-ones and stuff like that, but um, he's not a, a, an elite high-level pass rusher. So to me, this is, you took a project in Ika, but with Henry, you're getting someone you're, you're going to be able to plug in on your in your base package, especially if they are moving more to that 4-3 base look, 4-3 um, under, whatever. Henry can be your big end um, your run stuffing specialist, and he does offer you pass rush ability, just not super dynamic in that area. And I think he's someone that could really upgrade what the Falcons had in Ade Ogundeji, um, and really give them a, an impact player against the run. And is that as valuable as an impact pass rusher? No, but I think for a third rounder, if you can just get a good starter, even if it's just in base packages, a, a player that's going to contribute and play a lot of snaps for you, maybe 50% of the snaps, um, you know, I, I like that in KJ Henry. I think that's good value. Not a sexy pick, but I think it's a good one and a necessary one to help really build out this edge rushing group that the Falcons are assembling, where they do have a couple of specialized pass rushers, right? Like D'Angelo Malone, I think, is your third down guy, potentially. Arnold Ebicady is going to be your probably every down starter type. And if Lorenzo Carter comes back, that's great. But I think they could stand to upgrade that base end a lot. Um, and I think that uh, KJ Henry could do that uh, almost immediately. Moving on to round four, first pick in round four, pick 110. Going to go with a senior bowl riser, um, the the second senior bowl player. KJ Henry's at the senior bowl as well. Um, we're going to go with linebacker Ivan Pace Jr. from Cincinnati. Um, probably the most impressive defensive player overall in terms of like accolades. I think he won a bunch of awards. I think he was the defensive MVP for the national team. Um, and look, Ivan Pace Jr. is not going to be for everyone. This is a... A small linebacker, right? A very small linebacker. Uh, just a little over 5'10", 230 pounds. Not really the prototype, right? But this is a guy that had 20 and a half tackles for loss, uh, which was third in, in college, all of college football. And he had nine sacks as a blitzer. He is absolutely dynamic. He is a demon, uh, super physical, super aggressive. You, I mean, he's just so much fun to watch. This guy is an absolute monster in the best possible way. Um, it's just the size is that's going to hold him back and probably push him down draft boards. But look, I think he's an elite athlete. He's going to test really well. I love his motor. I love his demeanor. Um, he seems to be a leader on the field. He's someone that's making calls uh, and getting getting things into the huddle. He's so good as a blitzer. And if Nielsen is going to go closer to that Dennis Allen style, of really blitzing the linebackers, you know, you need those good blitzers and he's so good at that. And he's, he's good in coverage too. I mean, I think he's got some developing to do, and I don't really think this is ever somebody you're going to match up on tight ends at five ten, right? But the Falcons have Troy Anderson 
who is that prototypically sized linebacker who I think has a lot of upside as a man coverage option against tight ends, you can leave Ivan Pace Jr. as your will guy, as your run and chase guy, as your blitzer, have him cover running backs. I, I think he's got lots of ability to match up against even very good running backs in coverage. Um, and I think you can hide his size limitations in that if you can get a good defensive line in front of him. Um, and he's so physical that the size isn't as big. Of, I mean, it's the height, really. Like, he is playing at a lightweight. I think he played closer to 240 in college, probably slimmed down a little bit for the Senior Bowl combine, that sort of thing, um, to test really well. But I think he's probably going to play more like 235, 240 in the NFL. Um, so I think it's more the, the height that's the, that's the thing. He's never going to be an elite block shedder or anything like that. But um, this is a guy who I think can put up big tackle numbers, can be really effective blitzer. Um, and, and would really give the Falcons another really good option in the linebacking group that they desperately need. They need some, some more talent there alongside Troy Anderson, who we're all hoping will be that Mike starter going forward. But, um, you know, I think getting more talent in there long-term is, is important. And I like Ivan Pace at this spot, if he falls here, I mean, I think you could see a team that doesn't care about linebacker size, take him earlier than this, but I do think there's a decent chance he falls into this range because of that size limitations. So, um, Three picks later, round four, pick 113. Going to take another guy from the Senior Bowl that initially I was like, oh, I'm, I'm all the way out. And then really he rebounded well. And that is something that I thought was a, a really good sign for a player. That's a BYU offensive tackle, Blake Freeland. Uh, that first day he got ripped up by pretty much everyone. The punch timing was off. He got out leveraged. He was getting annihilated in one-on-ones. And I was like, man. This guy's having the worst day of anybody here. I feel bad. Um, but he really rebounded. You can tell he was getting coaching on the side. He was taking it to heart. And then immediately on day two, bounced back. And then on day three, finished really strong. So that ability to take that coaching, apply it instantly, and show it in the one-on-ones, that means this is a guy that's coachable. I think you, if you watch his film, you can tell he's smart. He he knows how to handle and, and hand off stunts and blitzes and things like that. Um, and look... The traits stand out immediately, right? 6'8", 305, legitimately 6'8". Uh, he's got tremendous length, um, and he knows how to use it. He is a dominant run blocker. When he gets his hands on you, you're not getting away. Um, he just stonewalls guys. He runs people over. As a straight line athlete, really good, like really fast. Um, I think his overall athleticism is kind of average, but his straight line speed and ability to hit those wide zone plays, I think is, is excellent. He, that makes him a perfect fit for Atlanta. They're not going to ask him to do a lot of polling and things like that. They're going to have him run out there and take out his man. And he can do that super well. Um, I think in pass protection, he's someone that is going to have to really play with a lot of, he's going to have to use that length. Like really for him, it's going to be lengthen the arc of the rush uh, get hands on as fast as you can and, and improve your anchor. You know, I think he could probably stand to continue to add mass. It's something that he's done every year at BYU. Um, I think, I think the leverage thing is going to be a concern for him. He really has to get his, get his pads down as much as he can at six, eight. It's never going to be something he's great at. Um, but I think that for a fourth round pick, I liked the coaching, that he received and how quickly he was able to put that into play, the size, the athleticism. This is a guy that I want to to develop. And the Falcons have an offensive line coach now in Dwayne Ledford that I think can. Um, you know, I think Freeland in this range is someone that can immediately become Atlanta's swing tackle because of how good he is as a run blocker and how much the Falcons need that 
their tackles to just dominate against the run. I think you can coach up the pass blocking and potentially get a starter out of him eventually. Um, but it's going to take time. And like I said, I think he could stand to add five, maybe 10 pounds. That's hard for offensive linemen. You know, he's he's been adding mass every year. So over time, I think he can get there um, to sort of fill out that frame, particularly that lower half, help with his anchor a little bit. But um, definitely a guy that I think has a lot of upside for a fourth round pick um, and would be good because I, I, do, I do imagine that the Falcons are going to have Caleb McGarry in 2023 whether that's through an extension or the franchise tag. So they'd be wise to invest in another tackle, whether it's early or more of a developmental guy, just to see if they can potentially move on from McGarry next year or groom an heir apparent to Jake Matthews for the future and upgrade swing tackle too. I think there's a lot of reasons why adding an offensive tackle at some point in this draft is really smart. Um, Moving on to the fifth round, uh, pick 160. Uh, went with another guy who really impressed me at the senior bowl, which was uh, Ole Miss wide receiver, Jonathan Mingo. Um, this was a guy that was not on my radar at all. Uh, never watched him, never really seen him. Uh, didn't even make my receivers to watch column or anything like that. So I uh, wasn't really expecting much from Mingo, um, but he was one of the more consistently impressive guys throughout the whole week of practice. Uh, big receiver, right? A um, little over 6'1". Uh, but 226 pounds, like he he's thick, man. He, he looks like a running back and honestly plays like it too. Um, this is a very dangerous run after catch sort of receiver. Um, he does have that nice size. I think he has good hands, um, very physical player. And I think his lateral mobility and overall quickness is really good. The thing about Mingo is I just don't think he really has good deep speed. I think this is probably like a four, five, five sort of receiver, doesn't really have that breakaway downfield speed, doesn't really have that sort of home run ability, not really a huge deep threat, but I think his physicality, his run after catch, those are things that the Falcons prize. He's a good run blocker, uh, very willing in that regard as well, so he'll fit right in in Atlanta, and it'll help him get on the field pretty early. Um, the Falcons need someone they can dump the ball off to in short yardage. They need someone that can take crossers and turn them upfield and get big yardage. They don't Drake London can certainly do that, but they also need somebody else other than London in case London gets hurt or, and they need someone else to, to sort of offer that ability because Cordero Patterson's not getting any younger either. Um, and I think that, you know, Mingo can absolutely fill that role as a rookie. Uh, we'll see what his ceiling is, but I think, you know, as a wide receiver three, four type of guy, his skill set really complements what the Falcons need right now. And I think his ability as a run blocker will lead to him immediately getting some snaps and help him get on the field early. And I think this is, is a guy that uh, will, will vibe with Desmond Ritter and his preferences for tight window throws and contested catches very well. Um, so Mingo, somebody I really like, uh, elevated their stock. I think well, well deserving of, of this uh, day three pick here. Um, then the Falcons do not have six round picks. So we're moving on to the seventh round where they have two selections. Going to go again with another guy I liked at the Senior Bowl. Uh, pick 226 in the seventh round, running back Evan Hull from Northwestern. The running back conversation, we covered it on Wednesday's show. If you want to hear more about why I think the Falcons do, and Adnan also, uh, why the Falcons do need to add to the running back room, they don't need to add Bijan Robinson, to be clear. I think they need to add somebody, whether that's a veteran free agent, whether that's somebody in this draft class. There's a lot of options. But right now, with the running back room as it is, you got Tyler Algier as your number one. You got Cordell Patterson as your number two, and you're happy with that. Patterson's probably only playing this one more year. Maybe he comes back on a cheaper deal. Maybe he retires, whatever. But he's getting up there. I think in 2024, he'll be, you know, 33, 34 years old, which is 
That's the usually the end for running backs. So we've seen him break down. They need more depth. Caleb Huntley probably won't be ready for the start of the season, may be ready at some point during the season, but he's not going to be available. And other than that, we got Avery Williams, right? Um, who I like, but is certainly still a project guy, not someone you really want being elevated to your RB2 role if any injuries whatsoever happen and Caleb Huntley's not back yet. So they do need to add. Um, and I think Evan Hole really stood out at first as a pass catcher. He was one of the more dynamic options in the passing game at the Senior Bowl. But, you know, looking into his tape a little bit more, I really do think he's sort of a do-it-all, uh, good all-around back. Um, he's got a good build, 5'10", 214. So he's he's a, he's more compact, but he's got that weight. Um Really, really good receiver, polished route runner, really nice hands, um, sort of checks all the boxes. I think he pass blocks decently well, didn't actually do that a lot because he ran so many routes, but I think he's a solid pass blocker that can improve there. Doesn't The thing with him and why he's not going to get drafted early is like he just doesn't really have any standout traits. Like I think he's an average athlete, decent size, not like overly impressive size, good vision, uh, decisive runner. I think his change of direction is good. Just more of a like a quicker than fast guy, I guess you would say. Doesn't have that home run speed. Doesn't has good contact bounce, but it doesn't you know create a lot of yards after catch or anything. So it's sort of like where do you value that? And I think Hole makes a lot of sense for the Falcons that ask a lot of their running backs. They want their running backs to be able to catch the ball. They want them to block, and they want them to be able to run in any situation. And I think Evan Hole checks all those boxes. He may. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that's demanding like. RB1 bell cow carries, but as a guy that can be your, your running back three, be your first guy off the bench and provide some passing, very good passing down ability. I like Evan Hull. I think this is a good value for him. Don't have to risk losing him in undrafted free agency. Um, and I, I think you get a good do it all running back in here that can really bolster the Falcons depth without needing to spend a premium pick or money. So if you don't like the idea of Bijan, then you should love the idea of Evan Hull with a seventh round pick. Uh, so, uh, going on to the final pick, uh, pick 249, safety Daniel Scott from Cal. Another player who I didn't really know much about going into the Senior Bowl. Um, he was really impressive in coverage uh, throughout the week. He had an interception almost every day of practice. He looked pretty good in man coverage against both tight ends and wide receivers, uh, better than expected. Um, just made a lot of plays on the ball, looked like he had a lot of range. Um, I was impressed. Uh, so all that being said, why is Daniel Scott on the board at pick 249 if he's so good in coverage? Well, when you turn the tape on, the first thing that will stand out to you is that, uh, Daniel Scott is a very poor tackler. Like this man really struggled as a tackler. The technique was really bad. So I, I don't know if it's actually a lack of want to, or if it's just the te- the technique is not properly taught or he's having trouble applying it. I'm not really sure what is going on there. But this is a guy who has very good play and coverage, has played slot corner as well, so he offers you some flexibility there. It's just not a very good tackler, not really reliable in that regard at this point. So coverage is always the hardest thing to teach. That's the stuff that's much harder to replicate. So I'm fine with taking a very, very late round pick on Daniel Scott to get him in here and see if you can coach up his tackling. Because if you can, I think this is a guy that has 
upside as a starting safety in terms of his coverage ability. So if you can coach up that tackling to an average level, I think you've got a rangy free safety that can even drop down into the slot and give you some big nickel sort of stuff. Um, I like it. And and if he doesn't pan out, he costs you a pick 249. So who cares? But I, I do think he'll be very coveted as an undrafted free agent if they want to make sure they get Scott in here to see if they can coach him up. You know, they did just bring in Jerry Gray, uh, who has a specialty in developing the secondary. You know, I think this makes a lot of sense. Uh, Bring in a guy, see if you can develop him. And at this price tag, if he doesn't work out, not a big deal, right? Not a big deal at all. So um, Scott definitely impressed me with his coverage. I certainly didn't sense any lack of enthusiasm or anything like that from him at the Senior Bowl. He looked like he was playing hard, going forward every play. So to me, it's maybe it is just a technique thing. Maybe it's something that can be corrected. And if that's the case, he could be a steal at pick 249. This could be a, a guy that comes in and is your third safety, you know? Um, so player I like impressed me. Um, I think he's worth taking a shot at uh, late in the late in the draft. Um, so that's the mock, guys. Uh, to recap real quick for everyone, uh, we had the Falcons taking Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback, uh, at pick 8. Then for the next pick, we had the Falcons taking at pick 45 uh, defensive tackle Siaki Ika from Baylor. Pick 76 in the third round, Falcons took edge KJ Henry from Clemson. Pick 110 in the fourth round, linebacker Ivan Pace Jr. from Cincinnati. Pick 113 in the fourth round, we had the Falcons taking offensive tackle Blake Freeland from BYU. Uh, Pick 160 in the fifth round, wide receiver Jonathan Mingo from Old Miss. Pick 226 in the seventh round, running back Evan Hole from Northwestern, and then finally pick 249, safety Daniel Scott from Cal. Um, so yeah, let me know what you guys think of this mock. Uh, try to get as many different players in here as I can, because contrary to some popular belief, this is not about being correct. This is about looking at which players the Falcons might be interested in, introducing you guys to more prospects, and you know, seeing how you could organize a class to sort of touch on the Falcons needs while also getting in players to sort of flesh out the depth and and things like that. So, um, I hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday, uh, at 8 PM Eastern with the next episode of the Falcoholic live like subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, leave us that five-star review. If you're listening to the podcast audio and consider supporting the show on Patreon, if you're, if you're uh, loving it and you want to throw us some cash and get access to some exclusive perks like ad free, high quality early access uploads of all the podcasts uh, as well as exclusive Q&A sessions that we do uh, you can check that at patreon.com slash falcoholic live again guys really appreciate everyone for your support for your listening and we will see you next time on the falcoholic podcast until then guys I'm Kevin at falcoholic Kevin I'll see you next time have a great day folks